and to help you slow down Christmas a little bit. And our Simply Christmas theme has been uh, designed so that we could spend four weeks exploring in this Advent season peace, hope, joy, and today love. I'm excited to be able to share with you today. I want to encourage you to take your uh, note guide. It's in your together. Pull out a pen. There should be one in the pew rack there in front of you. And to just kind of write thoughts down as you hear today's message. I think it helps us process. It helps us definitely throughout the week reflect and may allow you to uh, just write down some application that you're going to do uh, from what you hear today of what God reveals to you. And so I hope it will help you walk through our service today. Today we are focusing on the Advent candle of love. You know, Advent means arrival. And so what we've been doing this month is celebrating the arrival of a baby that came in a manger. And so today I want to explore how love arrived at Bethlehem. But to get started, I I need to get some context here because it's very interesting in our language. Love is a very difficult word to define. You know, in the Greek language, there are seven words that describe or that are various forms of the word love. In our language, there's one word that describes seven different definitions of love. And let's, let's, let's see if this is true. So does I love you, God, equate to the same way as I love chocolate? Now, it doesn't, does it? No. So what about when that red light turns on at Krispy Kreme? Don't you just love that? There are certain smells we love. We love a sunrise. We love a sunset. We love when the pastor finishes his sermon early. We love our spouse. We love our kids. I know for me, the definition of love, I thought I understood until I had children. And God just took me way deep and deeper into an understanding. And then when they became teenagers, he took me even deeper. <laughs> that happens. And if it would be a shame for us to walk into the room today and only use the context of love that you and I may walk in here with without fully understanding God's definition of love. Because if our definition of love is not big enough, we will miss the gift that came to us in Bethlehem. And so what I want to do today is I want to help you to broaden your definition of love. And so one of the big popular things we see on TV today and in companies today is to bundle. So if you bundle your cable and your phone and your internet, you get a much better deal. If you bundle your insurance, with your house and your car and your life and all, all, all you get a better deal. I, I think you and I can bundle up love today and maybe have a better description of what we mean and maybe a better understanding of what God gave us in love uh, in a manger. So maybe it's, God, I love you and here's my pride. God, I want to bundle those together because I want you to know these are more than words to me. God, I love you. Here's my status. God, I love you, and here's my identity. God, here's my family. Here's my schedule. Here's my possessions. Here's everything that I am. God, I love you. Here's my life. Because when we start to bundle love together like that, then we have context to understand what God sent us on a night in a little manger. And so today, as we explore how love arrived at Bethlehem, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. 
Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to spend time today. And let's see if we can understand the magnitude of what God gave us. We're going to start in verse 26. And I want to give you full permission to do two things. One, I want to give you permission to resist the temptation of the familiar. This is a story you have heard your entire life. And the temptation is to just think it's the same story I've told. The same story you've read. The same story that you've heard. I want you to resist that. I want to give you permission to resist that temptation and ask God, what is something new, God, you want me to see in this story today so that it changes Christmas for me this year? And the other thing I want us to do as we read is I want to give you permission to circle your Bible, to underline in your Bible, to write a note in your Bible. This is not original, so you're not going to defame this. I just want to help you remember this as you leave. So as we get in, let's read verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Important line. More important line, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow, what a passage. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss some truths in here that aren't just about a story in Bethlehem, but might be about a story in Birmingham. You see, how did love arrive at Bethlehem? It first happened with God. Look back in verse 28. Look back in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. If you go to verse 37, this translated in the ESV is on your screen because it better represents this or interprets this, for nothing will be impossible with God. With God. If there's not anything you take away from today's message, you need to take this away. Nothing is impossible with God. Apart from God, yes. With God, no. Isn't that great news today? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, I want to say it's important for you to understand that knowing God and walking with God are two different things. You can know God 
but not be with God. And it's important that we distinguish the both, distinguish those, and that we learn what it means to walk with God. I think it's even unique that God may be giving us clues that God, when he presents us with the impossible, that he becomes the possible. When God presents you and I with impossible, just like he did with Mary, he becomes the possible. So if you go all the way to Exodus, go back to Exodus 3, when God is instructing Moses who to tell Pharaoh sent him, this is what he said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So God is I am, I am. So if you were to take the word impossible, add one little space, one little apostrophe, what seems impossible to you is God reminding you that he is possible. That every time you see that word and you think, I can't do this, God wants you to know that I am is possible. By yourself, not possible. With God, possible. I am possible. With God, you can do anything that he's called you to do. And God says, I will be with you throughout this thing. How did love arrive at Bethlehem? With God. And no other way and no other explanation. He still does the same for us today. How else does God arrive at Bethlehem? Love arrives at Bethlehem through people, through you and I. Let's look at the passage. Go back to verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. I want to talk about that phrase, you who are highly favored, doesn't mean you're my fave. Doesn't mean we're BFFs. Doesn't mean that you and I have been best friends forever, that I think of you better than I think of everybody else. What this means is, God is saying to her, Mary, God has extended his grace to you. Because he knows what he's about to ask of you, you cannot do on your own. And so he's going to extend grace to Mary that she doesn't deserve, so that she can fulfill what God's about to ask her to do. Good news. You have been found favor. God says he wants you to know today that his favor is great among you. Because the same grace that Mary was extended to on this day is the same grace that God extended to us through Jesus on the cross. Every day you and I wake up, we have God's favor. Every day you and I are in existence, we have God's favor. God extends to us grace to do what he wants to do through us every day of our life. All of us in this room have found favor with God. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you're going through. God wants you to know you have found favor with him. He says it again in verse 30. You have found favor. I want you to know there's nothing that God's going to ask of you that he's going to extend grace to you to fulfill because it's his assignment that he wants for you. It's a shame that the only time we talk about these characters are in the month of December because they give us a blueprint for what obedience looks like. Mary's presented with a situation. 
She's presented with an opportunity here to be obedient to what God's going to call her to do. It's her path. All of us have different paths. All of us have different opportunities for us to do. And so at Christmas, we only get to see and talk about her. But Mary has one. Joseph has a path that his path's a little different. Even the shepherds we see in this story, in this season, have a different path. It's interesting that what Mary's been called to do is going to be a little different than the rest of us because she's at a different path. Hers is a little different than ours. And so it's important for us to understand that our path may be a little different than hers. But the reality is some of us in this room are going to be asked the same kind of path that Mary was on. Some of us, our path will be easy. It'll mean walking across the room to talk to somebody that God's prompted us to talk to. It's going to be going into maybe the workplace And you realize that somebody in your workplace is having a difficult time and that means you're going to pull up a chair beside them and you're going to say, hey, these are some passages that really help me get through uh, some difficult times in my life and maybe they'll help yours. Or maybe it's going to cross to a neighbor. Maybe it's sharing Jesus with a family member this year. I don't know what your path may be, but also know that some of you are going through some very difficult paths right now. You're trying to figure it out. I mean, Mary's path wasn't easy. I mean, she grew up in church probably. She's probably the best in her student ministry, young teenager. God shows up and she's saying, man, this is what I've been doing it for. That's right. God's about to show me. He's about to let me have the opportunity to do for him what I've been wanting to do my whole life. And he says, okay, Mary, here's the deal. You're going to get pregnant. Uh, What? what? Yeah, and your friends are going to tweet about it. They're going to share about it on Facebook. People are going to gossip about you. They're going to lie about you. I'm sure Joseph is going to be invited to the Dr. Phil show, and they're going to say, this is not your child. You're not going to get invited to parties anymore. You're not going to be everybody. Some of the parents that your friends have aren't going to let your friends play with Mary anymore. Because this is the path. This is the assignment that God has given her. It's a tough one. Some of you are facing paths right now that are equally as difficult. And God is going to use you. God has not forgotten you. He's not abandoned you. You need to know that he is right there with you. And when you don't understand why God has you on the path, you need to understand and hold on to the things that you do know about God. Instead of what you don't know about God at that moment, trust the things you do know and that God loves you. He does. That God will never abandon you. He hasn't. That God is always going to equip you to do whatever he's asking of you. He has either already equipped you or going to equip you to do what he has in front of you to do. God uses you and I all the time. He uses us to fulfill his commands, his his mission, his goal in life. He uses us all the time to do this. And he is not going to stop now. We are no different than Mary. Many of us in this room have difficult paths that are in front of us. And if you're not in a difficult path right now, that may be coming. And you need to learn from this path. Learn that God will be... How else can love arrive at Bethlehem if not through people? It's been God's pattern. It's the way that he has done it. And he will continue to do it. It's also interesting that this was not a request. She, the angel did not show up asking for permission. 
This is something that the angel came and said, you have found favor with God, and I'm going to use you. None of us in this room ever ask for a difficult path. Nobody raises their hand and said, oh, I want that one. But when the angel shows up in your life and says, here's your path, know that God will be with you. And God will only do that because he wants to bring glory through you to him. Can you imagine a better place of intimacy to be with God? I don't know why some of us are in the paths we're in. I just know that God's not going to abandon us on those paths. So how does love continue to get to Bethlehem and arrive there with God through people? For 400 years, there was silence. Between Malachi and Matthew, there was no word, no prophet, no audible word from God, nothing. You know, in our society today, we don't wait well, do we? Ever get frustrated in the drive-in? Drive-in, drive-through? Ever get frustrated in the drive-through? Do you ever get frustrated with Christmas traffic? Yeah. Is the internet at your house just too slow? It keeps getting slower and slower, it seems. We don't wait well. Imagine mankind waiting for 400 years for an answer. An answer to doubts, an answer to fears, an answer to questions about God, who God is, does God exist. For 400 years, they've been wanting answers. Sometimes... Silence is a difficult part to live in. For some of us in this room, we're in seasons of silence. And it feels like 400 years. It's just tough. And we wonder where God is and what's going on. And I would just say a quick word to you. Just for you to hear from God today, this. One, that God has given all you need during this time of silence. He has given you everything you need for this season. It may not be the right time for you to hear from him. You may not be ready to hear from him. But God has given you everything that you need during this time of silence. And second, waiting on God does not mean waiting without God. Waiting on God does not mean God has abandoned you. Waiting on God doesn't mean that you're waiting without him. It may be that this is a season that you need to just crawl up in his lap. Let him hold you. Let him put his arms around you and just say, we're going to get through this. Maybe it's a season that you just hold on to truth. That your worship becomes deeper because it's all you have. Your prayer life becomes more because it's all you have. When you read scripture, you hang on to it more than you ever have because it's all you have. You need to know in this season of silence, God is right there with you. But how does God answer mankind's questions for 400 years? How can you fill that blank in? How can you write a paper on that? How can you simply answer that? The way you answer that question of 400 years of silence is with a Savior. Love arrived at Bethlehem in a Savior. Look at verse 32. Go back up to 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great 
And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How does love arrive at Bethlehem? In a Savior. In a Savior. It's what we have, it's what's been offered to us, and it's what we have. It is amazing to me that for mankind to be still asking the questions of life, of purpose, identity, we still keep trying other things other than the answer that's found in a Savior. You can try career, and it's going to come up short. You can try status, and it's still going to come up short. You can be answering these life questions with status, with career, with possessions, with things, with relationships, with friendships, if I just had, or if I could just. And you need to know the answer will never be what you're looking for because the only answer is a Savior. If you don't know that Savior today, quit looking. He offers to you the answers that you've been looking for. He offers you today... Everything that you need, it came in a manger. Go to verse 38. In closing, I want to focus here. Because I want us to not miss the reality of what happened here. I believe Mary's story was powerful in Bethlehem. But I believe this story happens every day in Birmingham. And so what's our response my prayer is our response is verse 38. That you and I could honestly, transparently, and with all the commitment that we have, say this back to God today. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What this simply means is that you and I have the opportunity today to say, God, whatever path you have in front of me, may it be so. May I be faithful as a servant so that you can accomplish through me what you want. You see, it may not be how love arrived at Bethlehem. It may be how love arrives in Birmingham. It arrives through you. With God's help, through your obedience, pointing to the Savior. It's just that simple. It's simply Christmas. Won't you pray with me? Father, today we come and we thank you for an opportunity that this isn't a story that just happened 2,000 years ago, that this is a story that happens today. God, we have found favor from you. God, we're so honored. God, we know we're not fit to fulfill what you want to do. God, we're still unwrapping love and trying to figure out really what that means. So today, God, I pray that our, our application, our reaction, our reply today is simply what Mary said to you. God, that we will fulfill what you've asked us to do. It's all you ask of us. God, I pray that we'll be available and that we'll be obedient. Your name.